Welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tuscan Shade Media Network podcast, where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek show, Deep Space Nine, with me as always, and my lovely co-host. First up is Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? Very well. Thank you, Ben. And we also have with us, as always, Peter Dancy. How are you, Peter? I'm pretty good, especially after watching the Guardians 2 teaser trailer earlier today during my lunch break. That was a great time. Yes, uh, we're when we're recording this, the Guardians trailer just uh, just released, and we're also going to get the Logan and Red Dead 2 trailers coming up tomorrow. So this is a this is a trailer heavy time right now. So much nerd excitement. Time for hype. Well, we're going to go back in the past for a little bit of hype for season two, episode fourteen, episode fifteen, which would be Whispers and Paradise, respectively. So first up is Whispers. In this episode, we begin with Miles, alone on a runabout, recording a personal log. He begins telling us how after returning home from a mission with the Paradas, a race of aliens that have an upcoming peace talk on Deep Space Nine, he began to notice strange occurrences. His wife and child seemed distant. He notices Kiko and Siska talking behind his back. Someone else has given him security detail, and he is assigned a seemingly odd task to complete which he feels is just a distraction. Eventually, O'Brien believes that there is some kind of conspiracy against him, and he begins to investigate, but finds no proof of any tampering with the crew. When Odo arrives on the station, O'Brien confides in him. But, when Odo seemingly betrays O'Brien into a trap, O'Brien escapes and travels to the Paradas people to warn them of the danger. When he arrives, he discovers Sisko and Kira with the Paradas. O'Brien tries to warn the Paradas, but is fatally shot. When the door opens, we see the real O'Brien. We learn that O'Brien that we have been following this episode was actually a replicant, a clone given the consciousness and memory of O'Brien that was pro- programmed by the Paradin rebels to kill the member of the Peace Talks. As the crew wonders why clone O'Brien came to the Paradas, the clone dies before saying to real O'Brien, tell her, I love. And then he dies. So, what do we think of this spooky Twilight Zone episode? I really liked it. Um, As you just said, Ben, so perfectly, this really did feel very much like an episode of The Twilight Zone. And uh, to be quite honest, I did not know, I didn't realize that that was coming. I just assumed that, you know, something had possessed the crew or the similar effect. But then it was revealed that all along, this O'Brien was not the real one. I couldn't believe it. It was great. It was such a good reveal. Yeah, I agree. Sorry, go on, Peter. No, I was gonna. Say, I was just gonna say, like, I thought, I thought that was a that was a better twist than M Night Shyamalan has done in many of his films right? as, as, as of recent. I was just like, I was like, see, M Night, this is the kind of twist you want in your films. This is the kind of shit to reveal to the viewers and be like, what? Came out five years before uh, uh, Sixth Sense. Is all I'm saying. So. Oh, that's right. Maybe, maybe M Night was both a fan of this and Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> from that one, Are You Afraid of the Dark episode? Uh, yeah, I love this episode, and uh, having rewatched Sixth Sense recently, uh, this does what Sixth Sense does very well, which is that you don't really see the twist coming in a very classic way, um, because of the way it frames it so much in O'Brien. I think it works especially because, while it is very Twilight Zone episode, Sarah, I totally agree, I think this works even better as a serialized part of a larger whole, because we, you know, uh, unlike Twilight Zone, we have to be introduced to this character, we already believe in this character, you know what I mean? And we know him, and we understand why... Kiko doing these things and 
uh, Cisco doing these things to him are so bizarre. And I rewatched the episode, and I got to say, they did a great job of making you more on the side of O'Brien. Particularly the dinner scene with Kiko was very. Oh good. yeah. Yes. Where at the time you think it's like, oh, she's trying to poison him or drug him or something or like some, that. Like something is just mm-hmm. weird. But you, when you rewatch that scene, it's like, oh, she's just like trying her best to figure out how does this thing look just like O'Brien knows everything about him and like isn't him you know it's a very interesting right. thing when you rewatch it where it's like the suspicion isn't on on her trying to hide something it's like her trying to figure him out which i think is awesome mm-hmm. and yeah because I, rem- I remember the first great. time i was watching the episode like i remember the first time i was watching the episode and like i i i i start i start to think like is he somehow is he somehow in, is he like in some in some kind of simulation and like and and like the the and the parameters that have that have been set up in said simulation like they're, they're basically they're basically mm-hmm. trying to keep him from going to like from going to like to like to like point f which is where where he, which is where he should never go like he has to say but he has to say between a and e but f is going too far because then that's when like that, because that's when the curtains just pull back like that's that's what i was starting to think and so, so that, so that when we said when we saw the repli- when we got the reveal that he was a replicant, I was like, okay, wait, never mind, what's going mm. on? No, totally. And and uh, I think since we've had several episodes also before, like Dramatis Personae, where we've seen the crew be infected by different things and uh, memory altering and mind altering things have been a very key part of the series so far, key part of Star Trek in general. That yeah, you don't really quite jump straight to the conclusion that he is the problem which i think is very interesting the way that you know we we follow a first person narrative we tend to align ourselves with that first person that's why breaking bad is so interesting which is how long can you align with this major character while he's doing horrible more and more horrible things Uh, right and and i think that's what makes this episode interesting is that because we go from not o'brien for the entire episode we sympathize with him and believe him which is very interesting when the rug is revealed up from the end Mm mm-hmm and apparently this episode starts a trend which is known as the O'Brien Must Suffer uh, episodes. Oh, this was apparently... the start of O'Brien Must Suffer? Yeah. yeah. I feel like he's, he's already been suffering. He's gotten that before. <laughs> he's been suffering a lot. Heart. But uh, basically when the, the writers came up with a very dark idea, <laughs> they would always throw it to O'Brien. Because I, why do you think O'Brien is sort of the cipher for this? What, what is it about his everyman quality that makes him so relatable? I mean, I, that, I was gonna say exactly that. He he is kind of the 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 the, ev- the every man of of the crew because because he's because he's married because he has a kid because not 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 that not not that it's a negative thing in any way. But but uh, but out of out of out of everyone, he is the most like kind of tied down, tethered down. Like he 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 he, he has the most connections. Uh, besides besides Commander Cisco, out uh to 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 someone outside of himself where, where uh, to, 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 to kind of to kind of go back to it um i kind of forget the name of the episode uh the, the conversation that, that he and bashir were having where, where, where whereas whereas bashir doesn't as bashir doesn't have anyone uh on, on the space station to worry to worry about him who he is also worrying about that 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 is that is totally O'Brien, and so and and so I think I, and I'm I'm pretty sure that like especially especially then and and and, and I'm also sure now, that there there are people who connect with that like who connect with like being being a family person having like having those close connections and like and having so much of what you do, be 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 for, be for the be for the bettering of of, some, of someone else and and it's like, 
that that's that's a lot for audience for an audience to connect with um where, where it's like where it's like you're going through day to day to try uh, trying to do the best you can for your family in, 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 instead of simply doing the best for your job because it's your job totally totally and i, I think in general i think it's interesting that he's never uh wanted for much more you know he's always been sort of comfortable where he's at mm-hmm. and is very much sort of a classic kind of military officer type who like never wants to be a commander never kind of stretches that he doesn't have many sort of crazy ambitions he's happy where he is you know he's a classic sort of mechanic guy who runs the world kind of thing i have a joke that as like a a, a nerdy uh, editor <laughs> needs to like i'm just happy that there's people out there who want to run sewers and plumb <laughs> and yeah. fix houses and like that that's their life's goal and that they love it and that there's ambition because i think when you're sort of an ambitious creative person uh you tend to to view that sort of life as doldrum you know like a lot of movies view it as sort of a uh a dead-end life but like many people are super happy with those lives <laughs> i think it's an easy thing to forget and i think o'brien's sort of the space version of the the car mechanic who loves being a car mechanic and that's all he's ever wanted to do and he's so happy he gets to do it every day yeah that's right, another maybe. thing that makes him so relatable is at, at the the very basic sort of first look at it he is you know without knowing anything about personalities he is the least interesting character at first glance because he's not like the captain of the space station he's not an alien he's not you know a doctor who knows about all of these different alien races and science and everything as you said he's just you know a a mechanic who's irish and has a family (laughs) and you know the fact that he's irish is almost the most interesting thing about him at first glance of course when we get to know him as a character he is you know just as deep and flawed and involved as any other character on the show perhaps even more so depending on the episode um but it's that first glance he is the most like us i guess of anyone yeah yeah, I mean, like, like for like for me, it reminds me of the it reminds me of the show that was on Discovery Channel. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if y'all remember it or ever watched it. Uh, Dirty Jobs with the host Mike Rowe. I remember where, it. Where, I didn't watch it, but I know it. Yeah, like he he he, he um the, the the premise of the show basically was was that was that was that Rowe was that Rowe Rowe would go around the country to uh to to, the, to these various places and and meet, and meet and meet with people and work and work with them, doing 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 jobs that doing jobs that that. That whether it be like on like on a local level or a national level, in some way, help that community function. But it's but it's something that you just don't think about. Like you like you, you, you don't you don't. It's not really at the at the forefront of your mind because because it isn't glamorous. It isn't the captain. It isn't you 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 aren't like you aren't like like the the the, the, li- the liaison between 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 your people and between your people and and and, and, and another group. It's but but it's just as important because. Because as a mechanic, he pretty much keeps that keeps that space station flying. So it's like, like it's it's not glamorous, but it's but it's still very important. And 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 a lot of people can relate to that because I mean I mean I mean, I mean because think think about think about like like a a, jan, a, jan, a janitor or or some or or some or someone who works someone who works in garbage disposal or or whatever. You don't think about it very often, but it's like they are still very important to like a lot of the shit we do. Totally. 
totally and i, and I think o'brien is is so interesting because you compare it to like dax is like one of the few trills that gets to be joined you know so she's already special that kira is this famous fighter and uh, bashir is like one of the best doctors on the planet and uh, the universe and then like uh <laughs> uh cisco's gone through so much and odo's the one of kind of a species that we know to exist as of right now and like there's so many like special people on this station and not that o'brien isn't special in his own sort of way but he is very much sort of a guy just very much was a military guy who rose to the ranks in a very normal way who and it's sort of interesting because like one of my all-time favorite episodes of star trek because i'm a creative person who likes striving is a uh, tapestry from tng which is the episode where q basically uh it's a wonderful life's uh picard where he yeah lets him, uh not get killed uh in the and not get uh, basically almost killed where he gets his artificial heart which ends up killing him later on um but he ends up finding out that in that version of his life he's sort of a weak-willed person who never kind of goes anywhere does anything bold or daring which lets him to the picard we all know and love and he says he'd rather die than be that kind of a, a weak-willed person but the difference is i think with with that versus o'brien is that uh, o'brien never sought those kind of things and is so happy and content with just married life and being a normal person and fixing things and probably would like a little less adventure in his life honestly <laughs> to the point that that's why one of my favorite moments still in the show is when he comes in and rumpelstiltskin shows up and he's just like of course, of course <laughs> so he just has like right cole mania is like i've been dealing with this shit for five fucking years <laughs> i'm like can, can it stop please can we just have a normal right. space station please yeah i i, I, uh, I, I was talking i was talking with one of my co-workers oh a while back now and he and he and he and, and, he, and, he, and he he was t- he was telling me who was he was telling me he was like he was like you know he's like you know what he's like you know what kind of like what what premise of for an, for an anime I, I i would i would want to see i want i want i want to see i want to see an anime where the, where the main where the main character is this totally normal girl who who like who like every day of her life is literally doing everything she can to avoid meeting that main character of an anime they carry a big sword they have crazy hair they have a crazy hairstyle weird shit happens to them but she does everything she can to avoid that person because she does not want to be dragged into crazy situations and like and, and when and when and when you when you brought that up Ben about uh, about O'Brien's reaction to Rumble Stiltskin it's like yep that's pretty much probably where he is at right now he's like can we please just like he, he's he's like he's like arnold from from magic school bus can we just can we not go into space today <laughs> yes exactly right. can, can, can we not go into space one day can y'all not go down my digestive tract today like i really don't need y'all to see this about me I, i'm not ready for it i don't need i don't really i really don't want to be in a book on, on a page in a book where there's no friction that's just too wild for me yeah, Arnold just wanted to learn and like do a science fair experiment. Like, yeah, <laughs> I want to make I want to make a volcano. Can we please do that? Yep. <laughs> I just want to be a normal kid, guys. <laughs> it's reality warping, terrifying things. I'm tired of it. Yeah, I, to go back again, just the one thing I just I loved about this episode was just the way little things change. Like, I love that. Um, for a while it seems like jake is the only one who's not affected by you know whatever it is and mm-hmm. he later is and it's like oh you literally later like oh jake was probably just told by his dad eventually like hey well, brian's probably not a brian like he didn't want to tell his son at first to scare him but mm-hmm. when he right. realized that he was like interacting with o'brien that that's when he sort of took him away and was like, yeah because i like that there's like this writing in the background where you can kind of interpret a lot of people's actions off screen mm-hmm. it was certainly different i ended up watching this episode two times as well and um, 
watching it the second time around really was quite different knowing that it wasn't O'Brien and then just watching everyone around him like awkwardly trying to act like everything's normal and failing miserably <laughs> so bad it, it, it was like it was like watch it was like watching what would actually happen if so, if someone told if someone told you if someone told you like like when like when when, when this person over here is walking to the room it was like watching actually happen okay everyone act normal and it's like <laughs> now that you've told me i'm literally cannot yep right and that's why it makes it so good because it, it seems like it's like a 70s conspiracy thriller where everyone's against him but it's more just like you said an entire station trying to be like don't act weird but everyone of course acts incredibly weird <laughs> Mm-hmm. when when you are overly acting and you're just like guys just just be cool it's like it would have been better if they just hadn't told anybody anything and only like cisco and kira knew what was going on right <laughs> possibly possibly yeah i don't know maybe you should just put that guy in quarantine i don't know maybe you shouldn't just let him <laughs> run around the station yeah, for Maybe real. Like, why didn't like, they just like sedate him for a couple of days yeah, until they got him back to Paris? Right. That's when you get a. That's when you get a good old like uh, surprise stunt, you know. And then you put him mm-hmm. in the brig, and then you're like, "Sorry, possible fake O'Brien, but we need to figure you out for a bit." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like like, yeah. like when like when like when when Cisco insisted that he, that he was like, "Okay, no, you need to have Bashir do your physical. Like, just t- like tell like tell Bashir on the slide, be like, hey." Like, can you like fix him up with like some weird thing that he needs to like that he's gonna need to like bed rest and quarantine for like forty eight hours? Please, just do that. <laughs> You've got space flu. Yeah, <laughs> space flu. <laughs> yeah. Under, I understand. Anything else to say about uh, whispers? Mm, I don't. I I I doubt it'll ever. I I doubt if it'll ever be like addressed but i want to know i want to know more about the about this parada conflict like well it's interesting yeah that now this technology of perfect cloning exists and right you know like yeah that's that's intense <laughs> that could yeah. come back yeah i like that we keep coming across episodes where a character gets introduced or a new planet gets introduced and more often than not i find that we you know quote on the podcast like we want to see more of this which you know i I think that's a you know a tribute to the show that um you know they they keep introducing things that are interesting and well structured even if it's only in you know 45 minutes of a show totally totally all right well next up is paradise so in this episode, O'Brien and Cisco are doing a recon mission when they discover uncharted human life on a supposedly deserted planet. When they land, they discover that a duonic field has made all their electronics inoperable. They are met by a group of humans who arrived on the planet years ago. When they discovered they couldn't use their instruments, they decided to settle an agrarian life on the planet. Their leader, Alexis, welcomes the two DS9 officers and shows them around. At first, the place seems like, well, a paradise. But after seeing a woman dying of a common infection and a man tortured in a hot box, Sisko begins to doubt this world's intentions. Sisko orders O'Brien to find a way out of there. When the woman dies and O'Brien is sentenced to the hot box after being caught trying to use technology, Sisko takes his place in the box. After his punishment ends, Alexis offers Sisko a place in the community if he will just take off his Starfleet uniform and join them. He refuses and puts himself back in the box. Eventually, O'Brien discovers a device that created the duonic field. 
When confronted, Alexis admits to purposely setting up the device to create her ideal society without technology. She urges the people to remember what they achieved. When Dax and Kira arrive to save Sisko and O'Brien, they offer the people to come with them. Surprisingly, Joseph, the one most cynical about the community, tells Sisko they will stay and decide for themselves what the future will hold. Sisko and O'Brien leave with two teenagers from the village while two small children watch. What do we think of Paradise? I really liked this episode because, yeah, because I, I mean, because like, like this, the second I saw, oh, this episode is called Paradise. I was like, nope. <laughs> Whoa, no, 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 no. I was like, nope. And, and if by like, paradise you mean, mean yeah. the complete dystopia. Yeah, this right? isn't, like, isn't going to be a 60 minute uh, pleasure planet romp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like the second the second was like paradise i was like okay a no the second alexis walked up i was like trust no bitch there's something up with this woman she is not to be trusted cisco you are right to not take off your uniform i know what you're i, I know exactly what you're thinking and then thirdly i'm very sorry but Vinod, he was hot <laughs> done <laughs> oh my there god it is. yeah no you knew it was coming you knew it was coming but yeah like i i, I really enjoyed this episode because because it was it was so interesting to me, like watching Cisco go through Alexis's books and like and and and, re- and realize, oh, this woman believes in this stuff very strongly. Her in particular, like her in particular, she believes in this stuff very strongly, and these people follow her. Why? Sorry, like I liked that about this episode. You have a very interesting point, and I want to get to it absolutely. But I just had to note that I googled. Uh... Uh, Michael Bachman Silver, who is, ah. plays Vinod, and he is a very sexy old daddy-looking dude now. Like, <laughs> oh my god! And so he's he's maintained his sexiness. Uh, Yay! <laughs> I have to send you this thing. That's always a anyways. Good thing. I totally agree, Peter, and I, I did like this episode. I don't think I liked it so much as you, but I did really enjoy it quite a bit. Right. I'm glad you you loved it. Um, but it was very interesting, right, to see like the slow reveal of like, oh, like she. It was very obvious very quickly that she did it. Like, I don't think it's a huge twist the show was going that she was like... Oh, no, it, it. wasn't but, like, huge at all. But you're right. Like, once you get there, you're like, she likes this too much. <laughs> she yes. likes this yeah. a grand society too much. But it was interesting to see, like, all the books she read about technology and her manifestos. And it was like, okay, that was a very cool reveal, slowly. Did yeah. you enjoy this episode, Sarah? I did. Um, I, th- I think, as you said, um, I-, I didn't quite enjoy it as much as... Peter, I think I liked Whispers more of the two that we're reviewing this week, but it was absolutely a good episode, and it, it it does, you know, it was done in a you know slightly malicious way, I guess, or it ended up feeling a lot really malicious, but it does bring up that good point of you know sometimes people do get the urge to I don't know go back to nature or whatever you want to call it. And as we saw by the end of the episode, a lot of these people, whether they did it intentionally or not, they were quite happy to do to have done it and quite happy to stay there. And that's interesting when put into opposition with these two people who live on a spaceship. Right. <laughs> their whole life is about exploration and space yes. and technology. Yes. No, and I think that's a very interesting thing is that uh, it didn't, I think that's what made the episode really good because it didn't land on one side or the other. It could have been. Yeah. I, I thought the whole episode they're going to end with like a, what? You bitch. And then they like mm-hmm. killed her or something with pitchfork. Right. Um, 
uh, I think it was very interesting that they had this Joseph character throughout, who's this very interesting character who, like I said, was like uh, basically the engineer of the crew. He was the last one to reject technology. Uh, you kind of get a sense he may have been tortured for a while, you know. Uh, maybe he'd been in the hot box one or two times himself. Um, so it's interesting he's the one at the end who rallies the people to say, we'll decide for ourselves, which I think is very, very interesting that... Uh, you know, it clearly shows that there's huge problems with the society, huge problems with the idea of an agrarian society, which is like what I like. I never have loved the uh, Avatar style, where it's like uh, ancient people were great all the time, and it was lovely, <laughs> and we ruined everything. It's like no, there were still horrible, <laughs> horrible things, and people died at the age of twenty from infections, and there's awful torture devices and things like that. So, I think that was an interesting idea, like by including the torture and including the person dying, but also including people being happy and being like we're more of a community and we're more uh together i think it's what made the episode really stand out is it doesn't deep space nine is very good at not coming down on one side generally which is what mm -hmm. i appreciate about this episode as well yeah what um the thing that even made it remotely sinister at all was just that there was this one character who was kind of like i don't know Dictator may be too strong a word because she seemed to at least imply that there was some democracy involved, but she was definitely the head bitch in charge. And, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very controlling. HBIC, for sure. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that just, just made me think that humans are what mess up any situation, whether that's, you know, living... You know, in a farming community, living in what we'll call equate this to starship to a city or whatever, but it's people that make things bad, not you know just living any particular way. Right. No, totally. And that uh, you could come from a time where you know that things like hot boxing and are, are, are torturous things in your past, but still go back to them because you mm -hmm. kind of need them in a weird way. That's, that's like, very fascinating. That, like, yeah, I thought that was really interesting that the community like voted in favor of this as a method of punishment. I was like, this seems a little bit over the top. Just a little. <laughs> so we've been intense, yeah. Uh, but it's the classic form of torture when you have no technology, I guess. True, um, yeah. But no, I agree. It's, it's a very fascinating episode for those sort of moral quandaries that it leaves. Did you think that the Dax uh, Kira subplot of like trying to figure out the mystery was sort of necessary? Because it kind of felt like it was the only thing that was like, I don't know if we needed to follow them all the way. But then I guess if they just showed I up, mean, it would be a little weird. Yeah, I, I, you're right. Yeah. It was probably more than we needed, but I always love the Kira, Kira Dax interaction. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, fair. I was going to say that. Taking away say from that. Getting Kira, Kira and Dax. Like, yeah, getting Kira and Dax together, there's never anything Pretty wrong good with that. No. Fair enough. I guess when the episode when Kieran Dax go get donuts for forty five minutes, uh, it'll be. I Sarah's am all about episode. that episode. Give yeah, it to like, me. Yeah, because because because, ben, enough, because I ben, about shipping time. Yeah, because Ben, the second you started asking that question, I was just like, you realize what two people you're asking? We're already <laughs> biased. Forgot, like all I three forgot. of us, all three of us are already biased for this question. <laughs> just mm. want them together. Stupid nineties. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but actually yeah I, I swear if DC's 9 was made now they would have gotten together I think the fans would have been like oh. all about that shipping and they would have gotten together oh yeah we, we would have had all the hinting and shipping in season 1 and then season and then season 2 that season 2 one of them would have already asked the other out on a date 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like 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 they, like they wouldn't have called it a date like just then because mm-hmm. it would have been at the beginning of the season. But by but by but by, but by the last ep- but by like 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 the second to last episode of season two, there would have been like they would like one of them would have looked up and been like, "Is this a date?" Yeah, I think it's a date. <laughs> okay, it's a date. And, or and, they and, do and, like a, a, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer thing where like in the middle last episode they're like, "Don't talk to my girlfriend that way, girlfriend." What? <laughs> and Quark would have been in the back. He would have been like, "Finally." God. <laughs> That's exactly what would have happened. He'd been like, I've been serving the two of you. He's like, I've been serving the two of you drinks whenever you walk in here together for weeks. Just say what it is. <laughs> oh my god. Classic quirk. <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, Gail Strickland's performance. Did you like uh, who played Alexis? I did too. Yes, yeah, yeah, she, she I did very well. I, I tried to look her up, and uh, I I don't know that I really recognized anything she'd been in. Yes, it's sort of um, a classic TV character actress for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was she was very good for this role. She had a good voice for it too. Like I don't know, just yeah. something about the way she spoke was sinister. I keep using that word. I need to find a better word than sinister. But I I don't so. get other chances to use the word sinister. <laughs> Also, yeah, the the scene where Cisco walks back in the box, it's like, wow, mm-hmm. that oh, dude man. is hardcore. I, yeah, I, that was awesome. Cisco gets to basically uh, do the classic prisoner of war acting, which I think actors all would love to do. It's not the quite the same thing; it's a different sort of scenario, but it's the like consistently defiant thing, which I always yeah, have right, loved. nobly defiant of the person in power. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think every actor kind of loves to do that at some point or another. Mm-hmm to show I have range you're like okay <laughs> I can look very tired but still but, but I can look very tired but still let but still let the other person know that I'm the one who's in control of the situation even though technically they kind of are but not really <laughs> I can suffer and be strong yes <laughs> yes definitely resilient <laughs> That's the question is also, do you think that in a grand society, because like his whole point was like, hey, let's let us, as he talks about with the woman is dying, where he's like, let's let us go get our medicine at the very least, you know, like, let's just get the medicine and heal her. Like, that's not that wrong, right? Like, do you think that her idea of the complete uh, rejection of, um, she makes an interesting point where it's like, hey, look, you know, we could have solved these things, but we actually cured a lot of diseases because we had to, like, figure out cures for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have medicine. Like, do you think that idea of like that that this society should have always been like completely technologically phobic, or do you think that there could have been a better balance? I think there could have been a better balance, and I get yeah. the feeling that there may be in the future now that Elixis is going to be gone, um, and they know what was causing their lack of technology. Um, but I do think that also brings up a bit of another point is. Um, because she, she refused to let them, you know, bring any sort of medicine or medical technology at all. Does this count as an instance for the prime directive? I mean, not mm-hmm. really, because they are humans who came from a place yeah. with a lot of technology, but they, as far as we know, are the only intelligent beings, settlers on this planet, and they have chosen to live a certain way 
by bringing in space age technology, which is, we'll say, not welcome, is that in violation of the Prime Directive? Hmm. Huh. I was just wondering if you're going to ask if, like, helping them or saving them would also be a form of the Prime Directive. Well, yes, exactly. That's, that's what yeah, I mean. Right, right, right. I don't know. That's a good question. If something uh, that's the. I don't know if they've ever touched on, like, an Amish of the space world, you know, mm-hmm. sort of thing. The Amish of the space. Like, like, I mean, like, yeah, because... The, the I like, mean, there, there is that, that kind of weird American Indian episode in Next Gen. Right, right. That's oh, that true. is true, yeah. I, I, I mean... That's a good question. I mean, I, I, guess, I guess for me, I wouldn't consider it a violation of the Prime Directive if they were accepting of the medicine that 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 Cisco and O'Brien mm-hmm. were offering. It's like it's it's like if it's like if they are willing to accept it and to and, and to t- and to take whatever you give them and like and like adapt it to ad- ad- adapt it for their use rather than just taking it as is and just being like okay we have this bit of technology but you know nothing else. But instead they were like okay we will take it and like and and assimilate it into in, into into how we live and make it work for us. I think I. At least how I understand it, I don't think that would have necessarily been violation because it's like because it's like they're welcoming this yeah. change yeah. rather than you yeah. rather than you pushing it on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like in um, Into Darkness where there's this group of people that they save by stopping the volcano. A and yeah, B. Right. P.S. Mm-hmm. Now you know that there are things out there that can build spaceships and fly. Yeah. You didn't yeah, know point. that before. Let's change yeah. your whole culture. You worship us now. Right. Indirectly. Right. Uh, that, uh, uh, that opening. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Regardless of what um, you think of it, that is what it was illustrating. Totally, totally. And, and uh, I think I think I think stopping the duonic field is part of the prime directive, but if then you try to forcibly remove those people afterwards, it's not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where like, yeah, she unwillingly put people into a form of captivity. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that they have chosen this form of life, then I think you're right. It would fall under the form of the prime directive in that you can't like go and change their things. But I guess if they ever wanted to contact people, they should that's my only question is i guess like, yeah well because i mean as i said they came from the well, the modern space age society so right. they already know that all of these things exist right exactly and i guess this is, actually, i actually don't know when amish cultures began that's actually a good question but uh uh okay 1600s but like you know it's again a sort of thing of like if you if you purposely reject society, where do you kind of go? You know, it's sort of a mm-hmm. thing we've often had with uh, in our own society. It's very tough. I was reading a story about a guy who like uh, basically just lived out in the woods because he didn't like society, and they basically like the judge didn't even want to put him in jail because it was like, what's the point? You know, like, right? He like, doesn't even why? want to be part of society. It's not like oh he was lost or something. Like he just refused it, and we don't know kind of how to deal with that. Yeah. yeah. So I agree. The prime director may not be good in covering that sort of thing because we don't even know how to deal with like, okay, there are people who don't have technology and then obviously want it and will eventually get it and join us. We can't stop those people because they have to have their own lives. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who have technology and of course want to be part of like the technological world. Where it's like, it's a very odd concept to like that kind of future technology to be like, wait, you you don't want this at all? <laughs> like you want to yeah. possibly die when you're thirty and have infections and farm all day and stuff like that. 
Mm-hmm. Which I think is very fascinating. But I also agree, like, I don't know. I don't know where it would fall under the prime directive storyline. Yeah. Anything else to say for Paradise? Hmm. No. I'm good oh. on it. Yeah. All right. So yeah, two two very good episodes. So hopefully our next ones will be just as good. And those episodes will be season two, episode sixteen and seventeen, which is Shadow Play and Plain God. Ooh. Very interesting titles for these. Yes. Yeah, yes, already indeed. intrigued. Alright. So in the meantime, I want to thank my crew sarah and peter for joining me as always on this lovely lovely journey that i love taking with them every week and as always our theme song is by captain meat shield you can check him out on twitter at cptn underscore meat shield we are a part of the tuscan shed media network you can see more of our shows at tuscanshed.com if you like this show like subscribe rate and review it any way that you can it does help us find new listeners Until next time, this is the crew of Geek Space Nine signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.